everybody. Welcome back to Cover B. Welcome back to Cover B. We have more graphic novel to talk to you about. Just, so novel. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, the graphic novel. Oh, oh, so novel. Very tea. Get it? Because I'm tea. Yeah. Because I'm tea. It's graphic novel teas. Yeah. But we only have one tea. It's a plural teas. You, you don't need know to how be, many teas are up in my head. <laughs> you need to be drinking tea. <laughs> I'm. There's plenty of teas to go around. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Today we are bringing you a graphic novel from Dark Horse. Yes. It is called Mafiosa. Uh, this was written by Sunshine Barbido uh, with art from Alessia Alfano and Deborah Carita. Colors by Rhonda Patins, uh, Pattison uh, and Maria Cristina Federico. Lettering by Clem Robbins. With a beautiful cover by Ginny Frieson. And this is apparently based off of an original story. Uh, written by Thomas Brooke. If I'm not mistaken from the research I did, this was uh, this is an expansion of a single issue comic that got crowdfunded in Kickstarter in 2019. So this is the full story kind of expanding off of that. Uh, what we see is a crime family in the 1920s doing all the fun things that crime families in the 1920s do. Mainly hooch. Uh, and, you know, killing people. Um, but mainly hooch. Uh, we follow the, uh, daughter in this family, uh, as she tries to come up in her family and tries to get, uh, respect, uh, from her father and her brothers, uh, and you know, all the things that come with that. So it's a different perspective than what we're usually given, uh, in these sort of 1920 tales. Uh, T what's the vibe you got off of this, this here fine piece of fiction. So, ding. <laughs> so I'm sure you picked up on a lot of this, but I feel, uh, particularly capable to speak to part of this book in that while it is set, Roughly a hundred years ago. Think about that. The 1920s were a hundred years ago. Shut <laughs> Doesn't that make you feel weird? Um, while this book is set like a hundred years ago, some of the things in the dialogue and the language and the situations that are presented feel very, very modern from a female perspective. Um, well, the kind of overarching struggle that our protagonist has is mm -hmm. that... She wants more than what is expected of her. She doesn't want to just be the wife. Yeah. She doesn't want to just be making babies. She doesn't want to just <laughs> be like the diligent homemaker. She wants to be a part of the business. She yeah. wants to make her family proud in her own way. And nobody wants that from her. Yeah, she's constantly <clears throat> hitting these walls. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because while obviously there are circumstances that aren't inherently quote-unquote relevant today you know she basically they're like don't get a job just stay home or you know dance a little bit like don't do stuff mm -hmm. make babies that's what we want you to do even, even to the extent where when she does have a solid business idea they're like okay your brothers are gonna handle this you're just gonna be 
the one who came up with the idea. And then she ends up working an angle to get herself more responsibility. But even then, it's like, all right, you're the contact. Right. We're running this. It's maybe it maybe wouldn't play out the same way as it does today. Um, obviously, women have a little more capability and mobility and, and independence and all of those things. Not entirely. I, uh, I was going to say, I think it's a contextual thing. It depends on who you're asking. Yeah. I think there's still plenty of people, men, in this world who, you know, view it the same way as oh, the yeah. people in the book. I mean, you know? I personally, I am very lucky. I am blessed with both parents and parents-in-law who understand that I have no interest in having children. That is not my lot in life. I'm perfectly happy with it. I'm perfectly mm. satisfied being a pet parrot for the rest of my days. And they have largely accepted that. But the amount of times people unrelated to me have been, so when are you going to start having babies? And I say, I'm not interested in having babies. And they say, oh, you'll change your mind. You'll grow out of that. You'll adjust. People I've met for 20 minutes have yeah. told me things like that as yeah. if they know the inner workings of my biological mechanicry like <laughs> no and <clears throat> so many of those behaviors and mindsets are still pre like prevalent today mm. and consistent today that things would happen in that book and i'm like oof oh oh i got i just got stabbed <laughs> yeah I felt that one <laughs> you know the nice thing about the modern world is that the advent of social media has been able to has given us a platform by which we can call out the toxic masculine BS of the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's nice that you can pop on TikTok and hear the, you know, unique laughter of a certain vigilante against <laughs> the patriarchy. <laughs> and be like, all right, this is going to be a fun video. We love her. It's, it's Drew time. And... Various other people, you know, on these platforms spend a lot of time kind of deconstructing masculinity. There's a big push for, like, a re-understanding of what masculinity is and what makes a man a man and things like that. Mm -hmm. With that comes what makes a woman a woman, what is a woman's place in the world. And all of these, you know, in the modern world, social media has given this the ability to flourish. Right. Um, whereas, you know, back in the 1920s, it would have had to be, like, groups meeting and talking you know maybe somebody writes an op-ed to a the paper but then is are they even going to publish it and things like that so like how do you get that information out in the 1920s um the downside on the modern age is that we because of the social media we live in bubbles and those bubbles exist for the other side of the coin too mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. just as many people are out there you know, you see, I mean, it's why these crusaders have the ability to riff on videos and make fun of people who are, you know, trying to be toxic masculine D-bags <laughs> is, you know. The videos exist in the first place. The videos exist in the first place. And there's this whole alpha mentality and like, oh, you got to be alpha and like, oh, here's your crown king and like crap like that. And it's, it's like. All the weird personality traits that arose from the era of the date artist or what is his name the the pickup artist oh yeah the pickup artist and like how weirdly so much of that stuff and like the red pill and all that yeah, nonsense pickup artists internet. tree in general and like Ugh. you know people having lectures in like hotel conference rooms about like what it means to be an alpha and stuff uh. like that and it's that 
exists. And so, like, in a weird way, even though the modern age has made us more aware of how bad, like, the treatment of women in this book is, it's also given a platform for people who would read this book and be like, yeah, they, you know, the dudes in this handled that about right. It's you know? true. The other thing that I think is interesting that you actually pointed out is that the one thing in this book that I didn't relate to, which I thought was wonderful and is a wonderful telling perspective of the modern day, is that she feels uniquely alone. Mm-hmm. The benefit of social media is that not only are we spreading the information, but we are able to build communities of mm-hmm. people in the same situation. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with, there, there could be somebody on the other side of the country dealing with almost the exact same experience as you. So you are not alone. So you yeah. have someone to bounce ideas off of. Our poor protagonist in this book, she is in a weird position. She is... In a powerful family, but in a powerful crime family, it's not a traditional ass like you know pathway to success that they followed. So yeah. it's not like she can go talk to the other rich girls about their plight. She also feels isolated because anytime she talks to the other rich girls, they you know they're perfectly satisfied with their lot in life, or mm-hmm. so they appear and demonstrate to those around them. So she doesn't have anyone to talk to. And so much of her inner monologue that we see is her being like, I don't know what to do because I can't talk to anybody because I'm alone and I'm apparently the only person in the whole freaking world who doesn't want to just sit around and make babies. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, baby girl, <laughs> we understand. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, I I saw in a statement from uh, Sunshine Barbito that uh, – her draw to this particular story to this particular character was to tell a story in this setting from a different perspective in order to create a dialogue and i think it's an important dialogue to have and she does a really good job of representing that dialogue throughout the book uh using the backdrop of ballet and dance is an incredible backdrop because while ballet and dance and you know to an extent performance in general and modeling for women uh, has gotten healthier as time's gone by. It's still a very, it can be a very toxic environment. Mm-hmm. You know, I recently uh, had a coworker who developed like severe anxiety issues because of a dance school that she went to and mm-hmm. things like that. So it's like, you know, it still happens. It's not right. as common and like the big, like big popular, like in the spotlight kind of, crew dance crews and dance schools and stuff you know have wheedled that out but the reason you know so much of that exists in our media of like oh ballet instructors being super strict and like black Black swan Swan. yeah and (laughs) stuff like that exists is because it's kind of the truth of how it was for a long time like we said on a recent podcast episode sometimes these tropes exist for a reason because they existed and if you want to listen to that episode you can find it at coverbypodcast.com um (laughs) but yeah it 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 it's one of the most interesting bits of dialogue that i think exists in this book is the the struggle of balance between what makes a good woman at home and what makes a good woman in the world she has this moment where she's with her family And her mom's like, you're getting so skinny, you don't eat enough. And like, oh, you know, you you want too much or something like that. And then she goes off to her 
ballet school and they tell her all the exact opposite things. You get too fat and you don't want it enough and you don't try hard enough and like all this yeah. stuff, literally the inverse of what 100%. she's told at home. And so it's this idea, and I think it's an idea that women still really have to deal with is... We do. If it's true. you <laughs> If you want to be in the workplace, there's certain things expected of you that are the inverse of what's expected of you to be a good wife, a good mother, a good sister, daughter, whatever it is. They, they want you to be these things at home and then a completely different thing out in the world. And it's, it's the struggle that has made being in business and like really competitive career paths and stuff like that tough for women for for centuries. Absolutely. It's, it's the inherent dichotomy of the working mommy. You are expected Mm -hmm. to be able to be at every instance that your child needs you. Don't take your kids to daycare and have somebody else raise your kids. Don't, Mm -hmm. you know, not spend time with your kids. You need to be at every rehearsal. You need to be at every practice. But at the same time, Oh, you want to you want to succeed in business? Well, Tom never has to take off when his kid's sick. Tom never has to yeah. bail out of the office early to make sure he can go pick up his kid. Like, there's this horrible parallel experience of you're if you're trying to do both, you can't do either well because you can't be hundred percent in either court, which mm-hmm. is bull hockey. <laughs> it's it's absolute bananas ridiculous yeah if you're looking for a really interesting read beside mafiosa on this kind of subject uh, there's a book i've been reading that i need to finish i kind of have had to take a break from it but it's called do nothing how to break away from overworking overdoing and underliving uh by celeste headley and she has an entire chapter dedicated to this how the concept of leisure time or free time is mostly exclusively ripped away from women trying to work Mm -hmm. because there's this double standard of you know you can't take time off Mm -hmm. you have to be a mom and also an office employee you know and all this stuff like there's a lot of there's a lot of double think when it comes to how we address men in the workplace versus women in the workplace yep and sure this is a mafia family and we're talking about crimes here but it's still present you know it's still it's still a part of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> so. and another double think that's a great lead in to the one other thing that I really wanted to pinpoint about this book is that she desperately wants to break into the business. She desperately wants to be considered an equal to her brothers and an asset to the family and have her dad look at her in the way that he looks at her brothers and not just as like, you're going to make more babies. You you are a meat factory. Good for you. <laughs> meat factory. <clears throat> what she ends up having to do in order to get the respect and find her niche is exploit other women. Mm -hmm. And that is so common even today where you see women desperately trying to get a foothold in whatever industry they're in. And sometimes it's not, you know, it's, it's rarely as severe as in this book when you are literally prostituting other women to gain power. But so often there is that instance of, well, I could throw Susie under the bus for this, and then I look like the team player, and now I'm going to get the promotion instead of this other person. Mm-hmm. It's, it's or, or being particularly hard on the women underneath you because, it, you know, you had it hard, so they should have it hard, too, rather than leading with empathy. It's so 
common. I personally have experienced it. Mm-hmm. I have had, honest to God, my female bosses have typically been much harsher and yeah. less understanding and less forgiving and less empathetic to when I have emergencies at home or personal circumstances. You know, it's it's rare that I was greeted with as much empathy when I had a male boss as a woman boss, which I thought was bizarre because you'd think, oh, well, a woman knows the circumstances know, that I'm yeah. in. But it's because they see it as, well, I didn't get the empathy on the way up, so neither do you. Yeah. And it's so hard. They're like, I got two kids into college and... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's this weird, it's this weird frustrating wall that's built up where women push other women down to try and succeed because it seems easier easier to push down a woman who's already like on a slippery slope than to try and push against a man and it's it's you know it's very literal in this book being that she's now effectively prostituting women around her sort of but it's it's weird i don't know yeah um remember ladies empowered Women empower women. Um, exactly. As far as lots of heavy stuff in this book, lots of heavy topics, a good bit of crime, gun shooty, pow pow, Call of Duty, kill a man in this, uh, you know, the crime book. It's a noir book. As far as the book itself goes, the story itself, uh, it had moments that were a little, uh, the it kind of rushes to the, a climax at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, that honestly is a bit unfulfilling. I like I like the point B that we got to, but the process of getting from A to B was a little unfulfilling, uh, a little rushed, kind of, in yeah. my personal opinion. I like the art mainly. I like the coloring. The art kind of has some uncanny weirdness to it from time to time, but the coloring is very, very good. I think it fits the kind of sepia tones. It's this like it's weirdly in color, but also not in color at the yeah, same time. Absolutely, uh, style that I think fits noir really, really well, and the shading and use of shadows is very, very good. Uh, it does get the point across that it's trying to get across. It does open this dialogue. You know, we spent the majority of this episode talking about the heavier topics, and they're definitely there. There's moments where they're a little bit heavy-handed. Um, you know, I've always said it's great to open a dialogue and it's great to really just like put the mirror on the reader and make the reader feel uncomfortable. But there's certain things you can do that just feel a little bit too like hammering at home a little bit too hard. Uh, and I, I think this this has some moments, some some choice of uh, it's mainly in the exposition and the narration. Some choice of words is just a little bit like a little bit trying too hard to be lofty and it just kind of comes off as okay yeah we we get it <laughs> you know, we understand that said i love the perspective that they give us in this it's not every day that you really get a you know 1920s like a classic noir crime story told from a female perspective that isn't you know an older book that kind of just dambles up the the female yeah. lead um yeah, I dig it. You I don't dig this often book. get a female gangster, and I think that's really neat. You really don't. Like I said, I like the point B that we got to. I think it would have been, personally for me, it would have been more in theme with the narrative. So in, in theme with like a 1920s crime narrative that spans years, right? 
it would have been more important in my opinion to have gotten to the point b that we eventually got to earlier in the book mm-hmm. maybe made it a bit longer right. i know it's a crowdfunded book i don't know what the situation is with the crowdfunding and like how it got from this single issue to a dark horse twenty dollar trade right um but i would have been more and maybe they're planning on doing another volume but i still think just in this standalone graphic novel i would have liked to get to point b earlier and then had a point c and kind of had had her experience the new life that she found for herself and then see how that kind of weighs in the world and how the world itself weighs on her and what choices she makes you know kind of to the point you made about you know women sometimes feeling pressure from the workforce or society and thus trying to appease the workforce and society as opposed to protecting other women or protecting yep. their own personal interests, uh, which we see in this. You know, she makes many choices in this that are very clearly just pressures from society. Yeah. And that ultimately leads her to get to that point B. Uh, but I think it would have been interesting seeing a power dynamic come into play. And so see yeah. her kind of have to deal with this power... And how does that change her? How does that affect her? And yeah. I think that's another interesting dialogue that you could have had that would have been a good transitionary dialogue. I agree. And it also would have fit narratively because it happens a lot in these like you see the gangster as a kid. And now they're an adult. You see them like rise through the ranks and then you see them kind of in their twilight years or leading up to some sort of tragedy or something you know yeah you think Scarface like we didn't stop when Scarface started making money like it kept going right you know. And, uh, you know, the Godfather saga didn't stop when right. people got into power. It kept going. And so I, I just think, I think that is the thing I felt was most lacking was I felt like it abruptly stopped I when agree. I think the story was really starting. Yeah. Um, I would like to see another, another issue or another Correct. Yeah. I'd, I'd be, I'd be very appreciative if they did another volume and then released a trade that was like both of them. Yeah. Like one of those like thicker, like $25, $30 trades right. or like hardcover yeah, or something. Yeah, hardcover would I'd be I'd be definitely interested in that because it, you know, having two volumes sometimes is like a little disjunct. So it'd be nice to have it all in one. Right. It's just me being nitpicky. But, <laughs> uh, but otherwise it was cool. It was I a cool agree. book. I really liked good. it. It's 20 bucks. Like I said. Uh, twenty five ninety nine. If you're Canadian, sup? <laughs> Don't know if we have any Canadian list listeners, but I feel like I should just put that out there. We have like one Canadian listener, and we just made their day. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> They're like, oh, twenty five ninety nine. And now they stop listening. And now they stop listening. <laughs> so long, our solo Canadian listener. It was nice while it lasts. I hope you find a good Canadian <laughs> podcast that talks about comics. Gets you all your comic needs. <laughs> that was the fastest I've ever ruined anything. I'm proud of myself. So anyway, Mafiosa, Dark Horse, 1999, Sunshine, Barbito, Alessia Alfano, Deborah, Carita, Rhonda Pattinson, uh, Maria, Christina, Federico, and Clem Robbins. Go pick it up. Yeah, absolutely. If you want more episodes of Cover B, uh, you can find them at CoverBPodcast.com. I know I mentioned that earlier, but I said it really, really fast, so now I'm going to say it slower. If you want more... (laughs) 
episodes of Cover B. You can find them at coverbpodcast.gov.com. No. Com. Com. Jeez Louise. And if you're interested in following us on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Cover B Podcast. Yep. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you back here for the next one. As always, I have been Chris. This has been T, and yep. you have been listening to Cover, Cover B. B. Have a good day, y'all. Bye, everybody.